You're listening to Founders On Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum. Welcome to our first podcast for Founders On Air. Um, so I'm here. My name is uh, Steve Orenstein and I am the co-founder, the, co- the founder of uh, Zoom to You, and also the CEO. And I'm joined here with my good friend Mike Rosenbaum, who's the founder, or the co-founder of Spacer and CEO. So great to have you here, Mike. Good evening, Steve, and everyone. And so in this podcast, we're it's all about founders and learning about sort of wh- what other founders have done to get to scale. And we're going to be hearing about their their tips, learning about things that they've done to be able to get to scale faster. Uh, it's going to be really interesting and we're going to be doing different um, podcasts over the next uh, couple of weeks. But today it's about Mike and a little bit about me as well. And so we're going to start off with um, finding out a little bit more about Mike and sort of his uh, journey as an entrepreneur and sort of how that all started. So Mike, how did, how did it start? Way, way back when, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought maybe I'll rewind the clock a little bit and, and share a bit of my background um, yeah, so excellent. the audience can get to know both of us this yeah, evening. Cool. Excellent. Um, so I was one of the typical uh, high school nerds hanging out in the library at lunchtime. In fact, our group uh, were affectionately known as the, the Library Rebel Gang. And so you can imagine we were tinkering around on computers and stuff like that while all the c- cool kids were outside smoking and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and uh, most of my mates, my good mates, went on to do PhDs. Some of them are you know, crazy scientists today. Some of them work for Google. Um, and, and, and you just became an entrepreneur. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. And, um, and, and, and sort of during um, high school, I started my first business with um, my best mate at the time, um, um, Harvey. Okay. And um, Harvey's now a computer scientist at, 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 um, at Google. Yeah, right. Um, and we, we started UniWeb Services. We were one of the early web design companies in the mid-90s um, when no one knew what the internet yeah, was. Yeah, right. That was very early days then, wasn't it? Very early. Um, and so we used to actually, f- our, our sort of go-to-market strategy as they call it today, uh, was we would send a four-page fax, like a flyer of our services, and we'd say, you know, welcome to the internet, there's 40 million people globally, and um, most of the hotels that we would fax would send back, you know, like up you kind of <laughs> signs at us, you know, you're using up all our toner for our reservation <laughs> lines, and um, so, yeah, we, we got used to rejection pretty early on. Yeah, um, And then sort of I, I went to uni for, okay. about, a, for about a year, uh, you, um, last, you lasted longer than I did. Yeah, how long did you last there? <laughs> well, I think it was about six months. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Double. Um, and so I was studying business, um, but I, I sort of realised quite quickly that I preferred learning by doing okay. rather than from a textbook. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And, um, and uh, then I met my, my business partner um, for, for my first sort of real business, if you like, uh, which is an eBay business, um, Paul Greenberg. And um, we built that um, from the early 2000s um, to um, over the next three or four years to a $20 million business. Wow, wow. Um, and we were a top 10 seller on eBay globally. Wow. So they used to send us to, uh, you know, the big eBay conferences in, in the US. You're right. Um, and we were very fortunate. I got to meet um, Meg Whitman, who's one of the most wow. powerful women in, yeah, in business. Uh, I think she went on to uh, go up against uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger for g- uh, governor of... Uh, of, of California yeah, right. and, and uh, she, she, she sl- just missed out and then she went on to be CEO of, of HP. So really got yeah, yeah. Yeah, so tremendous experiences there. Awesome, awesome. Um, and then sort of what happened in, the, in around 2004, we could see that um, eBay was all about auctions back then, sort of $1 no reserve auctions. We were helping big corporates sell their excess or end-of-life stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we called ourselves auction brokers. So we started in a room about the size of this 
and we thought, oh, we'll just tinker away on the computer, we'll, we'll auction this stuff off, and, um, and we don't have to touch the goods. Um, but quite quickly we realised that we had to take warehouses and we had to buy inventory. Yeah, um, right. But, but consumers were wising up to the fact that this auction thing, whilst it was fun, they actually knew the price of the goods. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, so it was really early days of e-commerce, and, um, and so we started Deals Direct, um, and it was sort of, you know, fixed price, no bidding, no waiting was our early slogan. <laughs> Um, and we re- really focus on kind of, um, you know, great products, great prices, really quick delivery, yeah, which okay. is kind of okay. assumed today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but back then, 15 years ago, it was unheard of. And it wouldn't have really been quick delivery, would it? Uh, you know, a couple <laughs> of days. <laughs> not, not as fast as Zoom to you. That's right. <laughs> we needed you. Um, and so over, over sort of the next 10 years, we built a $100 million business, so lots wow. of twists and turns, and perhaps I can share that story another day. Yeah, cool. Um, and um, at our peak, we had 200 staff, um, worked with some amazing people over the years. Right. Um, and um, we had a 20,000 square metre warehouse at the end, so that was, you know, a couple of football fields the size. So, so very techie of you to have a massive warehouse. Very techie, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, really, it was a traditional business, just, you know, tech as the enabler. Yeah, okay. Um, and um, and we, we actually listed on the ASX in, in early 2014. Um, and then we got acquired ten months later by a, by a bigger business, Grows Online. All right. Um, and then I sort of wondering, well, what, what what next? You know. And I gu- and I guess that's where you sort of spacer came along. How did that How did that all sort of start, and how did that happen? Yeah, exactly. So I sort of um, you know navel gazed a little bit, not for too long, for a few months. I, I said to my wife, we had a, a, a young a newborn at the time. I said, oh, let's let's uh, jump on Airbnb. Let's get a rustic shack somewhere in Tuscany. I had this romantic idea. <laughs> she said, oh, yeah, you can go on your own. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we might be here when you come back. <laughs> I thought, all right. Um, so I asked for permission. Could I go to Silicon Valley? Okay, you know? okay. It's uh, sort of Disneyland for nerds, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I went there on a couple of trips and met with lots of entrepreneurs. I, w- I was fortunate enough to go to um, conferences like TechCrunch Disrupt. Okay. Um, I got to hear like the the Winklevoss brothers spruik Bitcoin, and I got to hear you know Adam Newman uh, talk about the WeWork uh, you know philosophy. Yeah, right. Okay, sort of four, okay. four or so years ago, um, it was really exciting times, and um, I really got present to the the um, opportunity of the sharing economy. Okay, and it was something that I really I just felt like I really wanted to get involved with. Yeah, right. Um, and that's where the idea of Spacer was was born. Yeah, excellent. Um, and so I came back, and um, my business partner Roland, uh, Tam, and I got you know got started. So that was uh, late 2015. Okay, so we're now four years in. Yeah, coming up to our fourth birthday. Excellent. Cupcakes coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what was you know in, in the early days of building those marketplaces, it's you know it's really challenging. Um, you know, having to build supply and demand at the exact same time. So, how did you go about doing that? Look, any any startup's really challenging initially, yeah. and um, when you look back at it, it you know um, things happen really, really slowly. Even at the time, it feels a bit slow. Um, so, but I guess so, so not overnight successes. Definitely <laughs> not <laughs> a ten-year overnight success. <laughs> We're only four years in, and yeah. you know, we we sort of say like it's, it's still day one. Yeah. Um, certainly, you know, we have some traction today, which is you know. But um, look, I, I think the experience was quite similar at Deals Direct. And what we used to say back then in, in retail land was that he or she who has the stock wins. And okay. so it was very similar in a two-sided marketplace, particularly an asset um, sharing marketplace okay. Okay. where it's all about the supply. Um, so really, even today, we, we still just focus on supply, good quality supply at the right price in the right areas. Yeah, okay. 
Okay. So in our case, that's you know garages and car spaces um, in sort of um, wanted destinations. Yeah. Okay. And and how did you go about getting that supply? Um, so we tried anything and everything. Uh, you know, um, we uh, we've made lots of mistakes. We've we spent you know thousands, if not tens of thousands, on some ideas which never worked, okay. like sending out glossy flyers to hundreds of thousands of homes because that worked in my old business and we thought that's definitely going to work. Should have maybe tried with a smaller sample yeah, size. Yeah, right. Um, but we did door knocking, um, tele-sales, we did um, market stalls, you know, the Glebe Street Fair. Yeah. Um, and uh, we learned a lot. Each time we sort of learned more and more. In fact, one time um, at one of those streets, um, fairs it was like a hundred thousand people going up and down the street and of course they weren't interested in you know renting out their garage or whatever they're more interested in like the cool food and all the activities that were going on but we had this really glossy flyer and it had a picture of a beautiful house on the front <laughs> and had these little you know arrows saying you know earn 200 bucks from your attic at the top and yeah, right. 300 bucks from your driveway and they thought we were selling a house <laughs> so like we learned quite quickly how to fix our yeah, messaging okay, okay. and marketing yeah yeah, yeah cool and, you know, uh, over that sort of this last sort of four years, what, what's been the sort of the three sort of really big things that have helped you sort of get to get to scale? So one thing that we're big believers in is is the power of PR. Um, it's certainly not an overnight, um, yeah. you know, um, panaceum, but um, I've, Roland and I have both seen that in other businesses we've been involved in. Um, and um, it sort of it helps build credibility for what you're doing yeah, and build okay. awareness to a broader market which you kind of grow into. Um, and and w- when you get those sort of pieces where you do get like something in, in the papers or on TV, so what does, it, what does it look like from a business point of view and how do you see that? You definitely see like that short-term burst, that spike, yeah. and everyone gets excited um, and then it sort of <laughs> settles back down yeah, to normal. Yeah. But the normal sort of steps up each time as well. Yeah, okay. So the new normal is sort of at a higher benchmark. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's number one. Um, number and, and and on that on PR, like if if you're a new founder, like what what sort of amount of money do you think you need to be sort of spending on on getting that PR? Well, there's different ways. I mean, um, some founders will go out and do it themselves, um, and others will you know engage with an agency, which is what we've done. Okay. Um, so you know it can be from a, a few thousand dollars, um, you know, maybe to five thousand dollars for for an early stage business. Big businesses maybe spend twenty or thirty k. Yeah, right. Certainly not for a startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But afford, I guess affordable for someone else that's you know starting out relatively new. Yeah, depending on your funding structures. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and then sort of second um, thing that I believe, sort of looking back and sort of I guess looking forward as well, is customer service, and that's something we really sort of pride ourselves on and, and focused a lot on, um, is really looking after every single customer. Um, so we provide seven day a week phone support. Excellent. You know, we definitely answer the phones. We 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 do outbound, um, and um, we really try and make sure that every customer has a great experience and they tell their friends. Yeah, right. Um, and that sort of word of mouth is really the most powerful driver yes. of our business. Yeah. Uh, again, very very difficult to kind of pinpoint whether that works early on, but certainly as you grow, you sort of. You, you feel the benefits. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do you, do you start to see that in sort of when you're looking at like your analytics, are you getting sort of more people sort of searching for the, the keyword of space or that sort of stuff? Definitely. Build yeah. your brand. Um, and then, you know, we ask people in the checkout, you know, how, how did you hear about us? And it's predominantly family and friends today. Yeah, right. And we saw the same thing at Deals Direct, you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah, because you can't afford to pay for every single no. customer that you acquire. You need advocates out there. Um, and then sort of similar and leading on from that is, is referrals. So customers telling other customers yeah, yeah. and having a referral program has obviously been a big thing. Okay. Uh, not everyone uses the in the link or the coupon, but 
again, people tell us that they, they, they've heard about us through their, their networks. Yeah, okay, excellent. Yeah. And um, space has raised a bit of money over this over the time period. You've raised about four million dollars. Sort of, how have you gone about raising that money? And um, you know, is that something that you would always look to raise money in the future for other businesses? What, what have you done there? Yeah, so it was quite foreign to me when when, when we started um, Spacer to sort of think about raising money. But um, I met with a lot of other marketplace founders, and they sort of said, "No, you, you definitely need to raise." Yeah. Um, Two sided marketplaces uh, require a lot of. Um, investment to kind of get to a level of scale that's um, uh, economic um, and to kind of get uh, liquidity in the marketplace. Um, it deals directly, we bootstrapped the business. We, you know, we started with yeah, our, right. our credit cards and we were profitable pretty much from day one, right? Yeah, cool. Um, which you can do in e-commerce. Yeah. But, um, so we, we, we put some of our own money in. Uh, we had um, uh, a following, uh, you know, from our, our network, from previous businesses we've been involved in um, that supported us. Um, and then more recently, we've been very fortunate to have a corporate venture partner in National Storage. So okay, they're, excellent. Um, excellent. They're the largest in, in, in storage in Australia. They're a listed company and um, they've been really supportive as of all our investors. And, um, you know, we tap into them for their, um, um, you know, the, their, um, the doors that they can open and their networks um, as well as um, use them as sounding boards. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And, and how did you come across them and how did you get them? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so I guess the industry has always seen us as a disruptor. Uh, we don't necessarily see ourselves as that. We see ourselves more as an enabler. Um, so we actually, not only are we not invited to the self-storage <laughs> conference in Australia, it's a very exciting conference to go to. Yeah, I'm days. sure, I'm sure. Um, we actually rejected. So we, we sent in our $1,500 and they sent wow. us back a check in the mail. And I showed my staff, they didn't know what a check was, <laughs> you know. We had to go and bank this thing. But so we, we actually went to Southeast Asia. We went to um, Singapore to the Asian self-storage conference wow. um, because we weren't allowed at the local one. And uh, we met National Storage there and um, started doing some business together. And uh, um, you know, a year or so later on, we, we sort of just let them know, hey, we're, this is what we're doing. And um, we're raising some money. And they said, yeah, we'd, um, we'd love to have a chat. Yeah, right. So it's, it's been a great partnership. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. And you've uh, also done, I know you've done a, a couple of acquis acquisitions as well. Um, it's kind of unusual for an early stage startup to do, do some acquisitions. What, what led you to do that and sort of how you found um, doing those acquisitions? Very unorthodox, particularly <laughs> in Australia, yeah, as absolutely. we learned. Uh, yeah. When we went and met with VCs, they sort of they're scratching their heads, what are you guys doing? Um, but I guess you can only be who you are, right? You've got to play into your strengths. Yeah. Um, so both Roland and I, we, we come from that sort of background of... of doing deals and, and kind of M&A. Uh, Roland comes from a private equity background. Okay, okay. Um, and so we both had experience acquiring other businesses um, and seeing the successes that had, also some of the failures <laughs> that it can have, the, the challenges. Um, and so we really believe that that one and one can equal three if you get it right. Yeah, right. And it's, it's really about a few things, you know, capability, building capability in your business. So we've um, um, been fortunate enough to have some really great talent come to us through our acquisitions Hello at home to all our <laughs> great talent. <laughs> um, and um, some great product enhancements okay, through okay. those acquisitions. And thirdly, scale. I think in any of these sort of um, fast-growing businesses, scale is, is yeah, very absolutely. important. Yeah. So it sort of like allows you to sort of step forward a, a few more steps faster than what you would have been able to do organically. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Yeah, excellent. Um, and so... it's. Startups that start up founders that are listening into into the podcast and li listening to us live, 
what advice would you would you give someone who's thinking about starting up or someone who's in their early sort of stages of running their, their startup? So I think once you've decided what you're going to do, what you're passionate about, what you're going to do for the next 10 years of your life, and I think that's how you've got to think about it. Yeah. You know, we joke about 10-year overnight success. Um, the key thing that I've sort of found in, in my entrepreneurial career so far, about 19 years in, um, is to really surround yourself with great people. Yeah, right. And really business is just... It's about people. Yeah. It's a people business, right? Yeah. And so whether that's, you know, if you choose to have a co-founder, making sure it's the right one, it's, it's like getting married, you know? Absolutely. You can't kiss and make up though, so <laughs> it can be tough. Um, surrounding yourself with great um, mentors, um, advisors, um, a brains trust mm. that you can use as a sounding board because it can get really lonely um, yeah. in the trenches. Um, gr- I- even great accountants and lawyers, people that understand you yeah. believe in your vision i think people that really believe in what you're trying to achieve yeah right um makes all the difference um and um of course don't don't forget to build your your broader network so um i heard this lovely saying once which i, I really sort of believe in is um that your network is your net worth yeah right so really invest yeah. in your network yeah. so you spend a, a lot of time uh having coffees and meeting with people and um, look, a little bit, not, not yeah. too much because it's sort of head down, bum up. Yeah. But um, certainly I value building a network a yeah. lot more than I did when I was, you know, a bit earlier in my entrepreneurial career. Yeah, yep. yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So, Steve, now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's a, a hard act to follow, but um, <laughs> of I'm enjoying it. I hope you all are at home as well. So, um, what did you want to do when you were younger? You know, like some of us want to be firemen, pilots... <laughs> Look, I think from a very early age, I always wanted to run a business. Um, I, you know, I just love the idea of being able to build something and whether it was, you know, building a business or building s- some furniture. I think I did a bit of carpentry when I was in, in high school. I really enjoy just building things. And that's what I saw, you know, a great opportunity of being an entrepreneur is to, to build a business. Um, there's been a lot of businesses in our family and generations of, um, of businesses being built uh, through the family. And so, that's, you know, that's, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, I got a little bit sidetracked and going to uni for a little bit, but uh, you know, I was uh, I was very very pleased to leave uni and continue to to build a business. That's great. So you knew from from an early yeah. age. What, what age would you say you knew from? Oh, I don't know. Maybe fourteen, fifteen. It was pretty early, yeah. I think. Yeah, great. And so, how did you get started in this sort of entrepreneurial life that you're living today? Yeah, so I, I left um, left school, went to uni, and then I was sort of doing a bit of um, part time work as I was at uni, working as an IT consultant um, for a very small small company at the time, and it was just me and the and the the owner, and I was learning a lot about you know fixing computers and setting up networks and working with with the the owner of this business, and what I found out what he found out really uh, soon after I started is that he wanted to focus on building software and wanted to basically sell the business and so we struck up a deal managed to secure to buy the business from him it was relatively small at the time and left uni and started to go full-time and that was you know that was the really early days and from there it just sort of continued on Um, you know we I grew that business we had about sort of 12 people uh, learn a lot about running a service business business and the challenges of running that and how to get to scale and all the problems around running systems and processes. It was, yeah, it was a real nightmare of a business, but a very good one to start with because I learned so much through that, that journey in the, in the early days. So you got the bug? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and so Zoom to you, that's your second, third, fourth business? Look, it's probably, it's 
probably at least my fourth. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's been a few sort of small ones in between and even between, um, you know, I had a, a business called Connect to Field, which was a job management and scheduling application. So it was a SaaS application. Uh, end of 2013, it got acquired by a company out of the US called Fleetmatics. And so after I spent about six months working in the business after it got acquired, um, really sort of loved running my own business and <laughs> didn't love working for anyone else. And so I think I woke up the one morning and just decided that um, I've got to go back and start running running something. And so I left with actually no real plans of what next to do and was sitting there with one of my uh, old shareholders and we're just having a coffee and my mobile kept on ringing and I couldn't work out why you know someone was ringing me and you know three or four times and it wasn't your mum (laughs) and it wasn't my (laughs) mum and um, I rang the person back and it ended up being a courier and the courier was like swearing at me and was so annoyed that he'd been trying to deliver this parcel to my to my place three times and I still wasn't there and he'd already left and he wasn't coming back today and blah 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 and I'm like this is just like ridiculous like Technology could solve this. Like every person has a, f- a phone. They've got a GPS coordinates on that phone. We could actually tell someone. And if I knew that he was going to be there at a particular time, then I would have actually been at home. Uh, and that got, got me sort of thinking and, um, you know, looking at what else had been happening in the ride-sharing space throughout the world. And I was like, you know, I, I think I can build something that can solve this. But you're never 100% sure as an entrepreneur until you do some sort of market testing. And so then I said, okay, well, I'm going I'm to build something. I'm going to put up a website put a, a fairly generic website up and I started buying AdWords and, and I put up a phone number, made it all look like it was actually fully running. And so we started to see like, well, what sort of inquiries could I actually get? And so what I started to realise is I could get inquiries and people were actually ringing and then I was saying, sorry, we don't actually operate just yet, but we will be soon. And um, you know, within two or three months we launched and uh, you know, it's, we started with you know, one or two deliveries a day and going through the platform and connecting drivers with, with customers and you know, now we, you know, we can be doing thousands of deliveries in a day. So it's um, amazing. Yeah, it's grown, grown fairly rapidly. Where were you back in 2004 when we <laughs> needed you at uh, Deal Direct? That's it. So um, you, know, you started a number of businesses, you know, you've been around the block a couple of times you might say. How do you keep yourself refreshed, re-energised? You know, how, how do you keep yourself sharp? I think the, the best thing is, you know, you've got to be building a business that you're really passionate about. And you've got to be really passionate about solving the problem. And every business is about, really, is about solving a problem. And so you've got to be a good problem solver and you've got to like solving those problems. Um, but you can't do that unless you're really passionate about solving it. And for me, it was, you know, the delivery space was, I thought, was, you know, so out of date. People in the industry were been doing the exact same thing for the last 20, 30 years. They had no understanding of technology, of what technology could actually do. And so I knew I could, I, I, could, I could solve it. And so that made me really passionate about doing that. And so that passion is, I think, really, really important. And, you know, as a founder, you've got to think about, you know, this isn't a journey that you're going on for one year or two years. It's, it's highly unlikely. It, it's, you know, more likely to be five, 10, maybe 15 years that you're going to go on. So you've got to make sure that you're, you're going to be passionate about solving that problem. Yeah, great. So what were some of the ways early on that you sort of um, learnt to acquire customers um, effectively? Yeah, look, I think um, we did a couple of interesting things. Um, PR was also really, really good for us. Um, you know, I didn't do that as much in our previous business. As we got acquired, we did start to do a bit of PR and I started to learn a lot around PR. And then, you know, as we launched with, with Zoom to you, we, we, we used a lot of PR. And you could see, you know, as you could see, the, the spikes that you got when, you know, you, you were on the, the news or on, on you know, Sydney Morning Herald, et cetera. 
Um, so that PR was also was, was a really good thing. But also we did some interesting things. Um, we bought some domain names. Um, so one of the domain names we bought in the very early days was uh, samedayexpress.com.au. And we spent you know, a, b- a bit of money in buying it. It's you know, um, tens of thousands of dollars, but not, not hundreds. And this site actually already ranked inside Google. Uh, it had a pretty poor-looking website, but it ranked for some really good keywords. And so instantly it gave us the traction that we needed to get to momentum. Uh, in these marketplaces, you have to get to a, a level of scale. Otherwise, it's really hard to build it. Um, and they, these businesses become easier and easier as you get to, to more scale. Um, and so that domain name really, really helped us get that scale really quickly. Uh, instantly, there was traffic coming through to the site. It helped feed the, the core brand. Um, it, set it, it set outside as a separate brand on, on, its, on its own. And we didn't just direct everything to, to Zoom to you, but it, it worked really, really well. Yeah, cool. One of the really interesting things I think about your business is that you've, you've got a large offshore team. You've got about 50 people in total. Is yeah, that right? absolutely. So tell us a bit about, you know, how did you get started with offshoring? Why did you do it? Is, was it a price thing? Was it a service thing? Well, yeah, what's so it all about? So we, we run a team um, in Manila, but also in, in India. And one of the biggest things for us in, in sort of going out into Manila was to look at you know, how can we get customer service people? Uh, and it was funny, in the early days, you know, the business was starting to accelerate. We were doing really well. We we're getting lots of inquiries and I couldn't actually hire staff fast enough. Uh, it's re- it was really challenging, I mean, to, to hire customer service people in Australia. And then when you did hire them, they weren't actually that great. Um, and so going to Manila was, you know, was basically not out of choice. It was like necessity. We had to do something. And I was like, well, I'd heard someone else had done it. So I thought, well, I'm just going to give this a shot and see see how well this could work for the business. Um, and so we, I just approached an agency and we managed to hire, you know, the, our first um, employee over there in, in Manila and it, and it worked really well. And that sort of evolved over a period of time to now we've got our own company set up there. We've got our own offices are set up there. Um, and, you know, we've got um, office managers and people that run the business there and it, it works, yeah, exceptionally well. It's beautiful. I've been there. It's a bit like a Google office. <laughs> Um, so, Steve, if, if there are founders out there listening that are thinking about offshoring but they're a bit uncertain where to start, what would your advice be? I think the biggest thing is to start small. Um, go, with, go with an agency that makes it really easy for you to get started. Um, that's, that's the first thing. And start with something small. So whether it's just you're hiring the one person, don't go hire like five people in one, in one go. You'll learn a lot through that first person. And keep in mind... In any instance, like when you're hiring staff, you can hire the wrong person. And so whether that's, you know, in Australia or whether it's uh, it's overseas. So you need to make sure you've got the right person. Um, and if you've got the wrong person, then you need to move that person on really quickly and get the right person on board. Um, but start small and then just start. And, and you'll slowly start to learn so much about that. Um, one of the biggest things that you'll need to make sure is that you've got really good processes and really good systems to be able to support them in their work that they're doing. And then the ability to manage all that work and uh, measure the, everything that's been done as well. Fantastic. Some great advice there. So, look, thanks, Steve, for sharing all those fantastic anecdotes and, and sort of insights. Um, I'm going to leave you with one last question for this evening. Um, so what's some advice that you would um, impart um, on someone who's about to embark on a, a journey as a founder, about to start a new business? I think the, the, the best thing for them is to start. Uh, don't wait till it's like everything's completely perfect um and you know you'll be waiting forever like ideas are really simple to come across um you, you know and they're really easy to, to to do but it's actually execution that really matters yes the idea's got to be good and you've got to have the right timing the right market but actually execution is you know is by far the most important thing and getting started um you know i guess 
us starting this podcast, we could have sat here and thought about it for months and months, but we spoke about it, you know, probably less than two weeks ago and here we are today. And so it's, it's all about execution and actually making things actually happen. And I think that's the, the, the best thing for anyone is thinking about starting a startup and, and thinking about, you know, is this something that you're really passionate about solving? Because it is a, it is a long period of time that you're going to be involved in, in, in your startup. Some great advice, Steve. So, look, thanks. Um, it's been great hearing about your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, and, um, folks, that's it for our first podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. Um, we'll um, send all the details um, on our website, foundersonair.com. Um, we look forward to interviewing a high-profile founder in the, in the coming weeks. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, please send us a note. Uh, make sure to subscribe and tell your mates. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Um, it's good night from Founders On Air. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Founders On Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum, a podcast designed for founders by founders to help you scale your business. For show notes and to ask questions for future episodes, go to foundersonair.com. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>